Since the dawn of humanity, we have looked to the stars above, asking questions that echo through time. What lies beyond this physical world when we die? And what is the meaning of life? As we navigate life's struggles and challenges, we find ourselves contemplating the purpose of our existence while we search for happiness. Through the transformative power of mindfulness, meditation, and profound spiritual insights, join me on a journey that delves deep into the tapestry of past lives and the soul's journey across time. This isn't just a podcast. It's your guiding companion on the voyage of self-discovery. It's time for you to realize your full potential in this life and embrace your spiritual path. This is With Pat, With You. If you would like help with mindfulness, meditation, or to learn more about your past lives and soul's journey, visit patridley.com. Welcome to With Pat With You. My name is Pat Ridley. So the last episode, I finished with the question, who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Speaking from mindfulness meditation, we were going into the idea that we should not identify with the, the thoughts of the mind. So if we're not the mind, then who are we? That's a complicated thing. And we can only talk about it so much we really need to start to explore this through meditation but of course we still need words to articulate and discuss and it's a a fascinating topic and the mind is a fascinating creature and there's lots of twists and turns and every person has their own brand of quirks and idiosyncrasies so let's take a closer look now of course When I talk about this, I have a few hats. One as the meditation mindfulness coach and the other as a hypnotherapist. So I, when using hypnosis, have the understanding of the unconscious and the conscious mind and the dance between them and how to utilize the unconscious mind to get particular outcomes. And so the mind is normally segmented into these two elements the unconscious mind which is also referred as the the subconscious mind and the conscious mind but it amuses me to hear it termed that way the conscious mind because paradoxically this is the culprit that incessantly diverts our attention away from the present moment from pure consciousness and it plunges us into an unconscious state, like an unconscious circus of drama and worry. But this is the mental landscape that we are most intimately acquainted with in our everyday life. But I've found that most people struggle with the notion 
that they are not their mind. And I did too. It is a tricky thing to get your head around. If I'm not my mind, then who am I? To gain a clearer picture and avoid getting stuck from the outset, I found that it's beneficial to disentangle the conscious mind into two distinct components. So one, the thinking mind, and two, the present mind. So let's start with the present mind. The present mind encapsulates the essence of who you truly are. It is the pure consciousness that grants you the profound awareness of your very existence. And if you weren't aware, then you would not be. So this is that sacred space that is actually free of thought and distractions. And you can connect with the timeless core of your being. This is the place where peace and tranquility reside. This is the inherent nature of yourself. In this state, you're really free of the shackles of past regrets, future anxieties, because these can only exist with the thinking mind. So the present mind is your gateway to the eternal now. It's a haven where you can fully embrace the richness of life, your beingness, and the unfolding moment that is continuous. Many spiritual teachers do not refer to your pure consciousness as a mind. Now, I remember being caught trying to intellectually understand how this could be. So I would sit in contemplation, repeating this in my head, looking at it from different angles and perspectives. But I, I found I still did not fully comprehend it. How can my awareness be separate from my mind? It just didn't compute. Really, understanding this with our thinking mind is both redundant and futile. The thinking mind through its egocentric lens, cannot see any part of your awareness existing outside of itself. Also, even if you were able to understand it, your identification with the thinking mind would remain firmly in its grip. So in order to move forward without unnecessary resistance, we will label your conscious mind as the present mind. Now that which your presence and awareness exist. If you were to remove all thoughts in your mind, you would be aware of the stillness and absence of thought. So this is important. Awareness is not a thought. If you were to suddenly have no awareness, not only would you be unaware of thoughts, you would not exist. You are the awareness beneath the thoughts that come and go. So now, the thinking mind, this is the part that analyzes. It plans, makes decisions. Its job is to think, problem solve. Now, without it, we would be unable to interact with our world and perform the tasks required to live our life. It's like... The pilot sitting in the cockpit, 
It's steering the ship, navigating through the stormy seas of life. But here's the kicker. The thinking mind is just the tip of the iceberg. It's floating above all the vast depths of the unconscious underneath. And so the unconscious mind, which is really mysterious and elusive, but it, it wields incredible power over our thoughts, so over the thinking mind's thoughts, over the emotions that we feel, and our behaviours. This is the realm where our deepest beliefs, memories, and experiences reside. And they're hidden from our conscious awareness. Hence, the unconscious mind. And it operates without conscious effort. And it's like the hidden engine room that drives the ship or the vehicle. So it's churning beneath the surface and shaping our perceptions and our influences, shaping our perceptions and influencing our responses. It handles all the unconscious operations of your body and mind. It makes sure your heart continues to beat, pumping blood throughout your body. It ensures that you are still breathing while you sleep or you daydream. It also is responsible for healing your body, working hard to regenerate damaged cells, preventing sickness. So much it does. runs your whole body. Now, it looks after you. It makes sure that you live as long as possible and its aim is to keep you safe. Now let me put my hypnotherapist hat on for a moment and I'll shed a little bit of light on the, the dance between these aspects of the mind. So as humans, we constantly take in information through our five senses. It filters all the information to discern and utilize relevant information. This filtering process is determined by our perceptions of time, space, language, understanding of words, gestures, our memories, decision-making processes, patterns, values, beliefs, attitudes, a lot. <laughs> okay, But somehow the unconscious mind does it, does it all. So it takes care of all that so that we are not overwhelmed and inundated consciously with the billions of data points that are entering our senses so we don't have to interpret everything and just make your head explode so once incoming information passes through our filters the unconscious mind makes sense of it all so what it does is it stores it away think of like a computer placing data on its hard drive as individual software programs so for example how to tie your shoelaces, do not touch fire, how to read facial expressions, how to awaken in the night to the distant cry of your child. You know, I can remember awakening and being hot and like running down the hallway to, to my kid that's my baby that's been crying and I was still really asleep and kind of like waking up halfway running down the hall. So the unconscious mind communicates to us through instinct, muscle memory, feelings, emotions, and thoughts. When a conscious thought is required, it is constructed and then it is presented in the thinking mind. So picture the thinking mind like a movie screen that allows for an internal sensory experience, allowing for us to 
internally represent or map out our reality. So our internal representations trigger corresponding states. That's how we, how we feel, how we be. And this, which will motivate all of our behaviours. So it's our internal representations that determine how we view the world and everything we experience through this filtering process. So take public speaking, for example. Some people have a belief system that they're not good at it. Like they, they suck at public speaking, they hate it. And that everyone in the audience will laugh at them. Actually, it's one of the, the biggest fears that people have. Now, that kind of belief can totally influence their thoughts, feelings and behaviours leading up to, say, a big speech they've got to do at work. Now, maybe they start sweating and shaking and you know, they're obsessing over every little detail. Maybe they're even trying to come up with ways to get out of it altogether. All because of a belief they have about themselves and the thing is, that belief might not even be true. They may not have even had to do it before but yet they believe it. So, But because they've filtered their experience and stored the information in such a way, they have now programmed themselves to physically and mentally behave as if it were fact. It's like, like a funhouse mirror. It distorts the reality of the situation. Now, as a hypnotherapist and using NLP... I can change this limiting belief and I can destroy its ability to influence their ability to public speak and then actually replace it with another one, an empowering belief, to give them the outcome they want. And one of the best ways to do this is to change the internal representation of the belief. Now this is done by accessing their own personalized, what's called submodality system, to reprogram how their mind internally represents the belief. So some modalities refer to the finer distinctions in sensory experience that are our mind's um, map of reality, if you will, to create an internal representation of the world. These submodalities are specific attributes of our five senses, such as uh, color, brightness, size, location, shape, volume, pitch, tone, texture, temperature, distance. So all these things and more. So for instance, if you think, say, about a happy mem memory, and you, I want you to picture one now, really happy memory. So what size is this image in your mind? Do it now. See it. How big is it? Now, is it bright or dull? What's the colour? Is it located in front of you or to the side? Is it close? Is it far away? So these are all submodalities that make up the internal representation of this happy memory. Now, when we want to change a belief or feeling, we can use submodalities to access the internal representation of that belief or feeling. And then we modify it directly by changing these submodalities. So as an exercise, grab that picture that you have in your mind and then make it really big. So think of that really happy moment, that memory. See it in your mind and then make it really big. Go on, grab it 
and enlarge it, make it twice the size, three times, four times, five times. Like it's the size of the Titanic in your mind. Right in your mental vision. See it now. So now does your feeling change? Notice how you start to feel. Now let's make it really bright and clear. So I want you to change the color, really enhance it, make it really bright, really clear, really crisp. And now also, with any of the sounds, I want you to turn up the volume of the sounds too. So if you can hear people talking, making it nice and loud and strong, so you can really feel it. Just like you're turning up the volume and the brightness on your television set. So how do you feel now? Now really feel it. Make it really large. Now notice the change. Make sure you actually do this though. Just like a lucid dream, totally step into it and experience that mental experience. Live it right now. So does it increase or decrease the feeling? Now, this goes for negative memories too. So let's say something, someone has a negative memory of being rejected by a high school crush they had. Or someone was making fun of them in high school. This memory may be represented in their mind as a dark, big and loud located right in front of them, staring at them wherever they go. And they just can't seem to get it out of their mind's eye. So this memory follows them everywhere. And they're thinking about it every day. Or when something happens, it pops into their mind and they feel really negative. So the associated feeling might be sadness, disappointment, embarrassment, shame, whatever. Now, we can make the image brighter or smaller. We can make it dimmer, and each will have a different effect for a different person. So it's about finding how these influence you. We can even get this image, make it really, really small, and make it located off into the distance, or even behind them so they can't see it anymore. We can also change the sounds associated with the memory, make them really soft or more distant. So let's give this a go now. Think of a recurring ne negative memory that you have. And don't have to pick anything that's totally traumatic or anything. Just pick something that's, you know, something that's negative that you don't want anymore. It could be an experience where someone said something to you and hurt your feelings or whatever. Just think of something now. now. And take a moment to visualize that memory in your mind. Now imagine that you are watching a black and white movie of that memory. I want you to turn down the volume, seeing it black and white still. Turn that volume all the way down so that it's barely audible. And then make the picture really small, like you're watching an ant's television set. And then you're going to put it really far away out onto the horizon. So far away. Move it all the way up into the distance on the edge. 
edge of the horizon. Now as you watch this tiny muted movie of that old negative memory, notice how it affects you now. Notice how it's changed. Do you feel the same emotions as you used to? If not, how does it make you feel? So next let's try changing the voice of the person who said something hurtful. So pick a person, someone in your life who maybe even they annoy you or you just really don't like them, they've said something really mean to you. Picture that person now. Now imagine that their voice is now that of a little baby who can barely say your name right. Or you can imagine their voice as a funny cartoon character like Goofy or Daffy Duck. Now as you hear this new voice saying these silly words, notice how you feel. Do you feel differently? Did you even start to smile? Do the words still have the same impact on you as they did previously? Now it's interesting, isn't it? So by playing with these submodalities, you can change the way that your mind represents a negative or positive memory. We can increase, we can decrease, we can change completely thereby changing the emotions and the beliefs associated with them. By changing the submodalities, we are effectively reprogramming the mind to have a different internal representation of the memory or belief, which then leads to a shift in how we feel about it and our ability to make decisions and act upon them. And they change our state of being. This is just a brief example, and there are many different submodalities that can be modified depending on the individual. Everybody's different, and the specific memory or belief that we're addressing. And there are many other techniques as well. But the point here, and thank you for coming along on that, that that, that took longer than I, than I thought, but the point is to illustrate that your mind is plastic and it can be changed. If these so-called powerful beliefs and programs can be altered so easily by your will and being able to skillfully use your mind, then perhaps they are not really you after all. If we identified with these things and they affected us so profoundly and deeply, often with so much suffering, but yet we can change them with a simple change of a submodality, a different perspective, then are they really real? Is it really you? So using this as a therapeutic technique has changed many people's lives. I've helped many people. And, of course, there's other forms of therapy.
and I've worked alongside many amazing therapists from psychologists, counsellors, other hypnotherapists, other practitioners and healers, and they have literally saved people's lives from particular issues causing them suffering. Now, however, my, my experience is that the root cause of suffering has not been addressed. What we've really done is we've shifted it. No matter how many issues we resolve in conventional therapy, no matter how useful they are you know, for that particular problem, which I think you know, is amazing, Some these people do amazing work, no matter that though, if see if the underlying cause of suffering is permitted to reign free, then other manifestations of suffering will arise. Now I am the first in line to give credit to these amazing practitioners. I just want to make that clear. There is no way that I am degrading their ability and their intentions as healers, as professionals. Now I acknowledge that. What I'm saying is that there is a deeper aspect to consider. The suffering that has been resolved for that particular issue being treated has now been displaced elsewhere. It will always come back to this because the roots of suffering lie in the identification with the mind, the thinking mind, and the reactive tendencies towards the external stimuli, both within and outside the body. So using the metaphor of a monster, so it's like you're chopping off the monster's head only to have two or three more heads regrow each time. So each time you attempt to resolve an issue, Another arises, another arises. Even those who appear to possess all the external markers of success and happiness, you've got material wealth, a thriving career, loving healthy family, will still experience suffering. If their identity is shaped by the illusory self, so despite their achievements, they may still be yearning for something deeper, experiencing moments of, say, restlessness, discontent or boredom. They may feel an uneasiness that they want to achieve more and they will still experience times of irritability, frustration and fear, anger, all these emotions. It's, it's normal, but my point is these emotions, though often dismissed as fleeting and, and insignificant, actually hold profound significance because, you see, they serve as a, the gentle nudges from the universe beckoning us to explore the realms beyond the surface level attachments of the mind. The monster has regrown three more heads and the suffering will continually manifest. It will manifest in other places as long as the thinking mind captures your awareness and identity.
So it's like being trapped in a virtual reality game, trying to get to the last level and defeat this overpowered boss who seems to be invincible. So when we finally beat him and we expect to be met with the the game over, congratulations, completing the game, instead we find ourselves on another level, even harder than the last. So this approach seems endless because it is. It just keeps going. But there is a way out of this labyrinth. Now it starts with the awareness. The awareness that the thinking mind and the emotions are not who you truly are. The mind and the body are tools, powerful and influential, but they're not the complete essence of our being. We are our mind and body, of course, but we are not that in its entirety. We are deeper than that. These are just aspects of us, and they are impermanent. They will only last as long as we are alive in this body. So by cultivating mindfulness and opening presence in our life, we can begin to disentangle ourselves and observing all aspects of the self, like an onion peeling away the layers with objective presence. So now this will bring me to the next episode about the depths of your being, the present mind.